Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hey, it's Latif from Radio Lab. Our goal with each episode is to make you think, how did I live this long and not know that? Radio Lab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Listen wherever you get podcasts. From WNYC Studios, I'm Brian Lehrer. This is my Daily Politics Podcast. It's Tuesday, February 6th. Early voting began on Saturday and runs through this Sunday in the high-stakes race to replace George Santos in Congress. This matters in its own right, of course, for the people in the Queens and Nassau County District. And more than that, all of political America seems to be watching this election as an early swing district bellwether for how to run in November for control of Congress and the presidency, too. We have Democrat Tom Swazi with us for a candidate interview. We have also invited Republican Mozzie Pillip. Tom Swazi, as many of you will recall, held the seat for three terms before deciding not to run for re-election in 2022 and primary Kathy Hochul for the Democratic nomination for governor instead. Obviously, he lost that race and is now vying to win his old seat in Congress back. Previously, Swazi was the Nassau County Executive and the mayor of Glen Cove. And there's some breaking news in this race in the last day. The two candidates have come out on different sides of the bipartisan Senate bill on the border. Swazi is for it. Pillip is against it. So that will be one of our topics to be sure. And Tom Swazi, as I said, will take some questions from you as well as from me. 212-433-WNYC. Call or text. We just ask questions, not speeches, please. Tom, thanks for coming on for this. Welcome back to WNYC. Brian, it's always good to be on your show. Would you like to start by introducing or reintroducing yourself to the voters? I never like to assume that even though I follow politics closely and I've interviewed you various times in your various roles, uh, that the average listener out there really knows who anybody in your kind of position is. So you can't give a long speech, but take about a minute, if you like, and just tell the listeners who you are, according to you, and why you want your old job back. Thanks, Brian. I really appreciate it. I, uh, I've devoted most of my adult life to public service. I'm trained as a lawyer and a CPA. I was the mayor of Glen Cove for eight years, county executive for eight years, member of Congress for six years. I've gotten a lot of stuff done. I've helped a lot of people, cleaned up pollution. I've built buildings. I've helped people make their lives better. I've fought crime. And I've always tried to be somebody who works across party lines, someone who tries to find uh, compromise to move things forward. I'll work with anybody. I'll work with Democrats. I'll work with the Republicans. I'll work with progressives. I'll work with conservatives. I'm a Democrat. I'll always be a Democrat. I won't betray my values, but I'll work with anybody who genuinely wants to try and help people and make lives better. We all know what uh, politics has become in our country. I think people are sick and tired of the finger pointing and the backbiting and the petty partisan politics. And I want us to think about what politics could be, where people, instead of offering attacks, offer solutions, where people try to, uh, instead of knocking people down, try to build people up and try and move forward. Uh, Everybody's always disliked Congress. I think it's really disliked right now because it's just not getting anything done. I will say that you and your opponent are attacking each other plenty, and we'll get to some of those attacks going each way. But let me ask you about the area trending Republican and why you think you can break this pattern. Um, 
Long Island, which used to be largely Democratic or at least meaningfully divided, now looks like a Republican stronghold. All four seats in Congress, both county executives, both county DAs. The Queens part of the district, too, has replaced its Democratic city council person with a pretty MAGA Republican, Vicky Palladino, in the last two elections. Why, in your view, is the area going from blue to red? I think that the people who live in the 3rd Congressional District are, are worried that Democrats are not listening to the concerns that they have. Uh, so I make a point of focusing on the things that they're concerned about. They're concerned about uh, high taxes and the cost of living. I'm the main proponent in all of Congress uh, to bring back the state and local tax deduction. They're concerned about the immigration crisis. I've been talking for years about the need for a bipartisan compromise. We now have a bipartisan compromise. I will support it. My opponent won't. Uh, people are concerned about uh, attacks on local control. I'm in favor of uh, local control. So I think uh, the crime in New York City has been a big concern for the residents of Long Island. It's always been a very public safety conscious community. And the crime rate is incredibly low uh, on Long Island and in Northeast Queens. But people have a sense of fear of crime and it getting out of control and the sense of permissiveness. And uh, I've always been someone who uh, stood up for law enforcement. Uh, when I was a county executive at Nassau County, I ran the 12th largest police department in the United States of America. Uh, and we reduced the crime rate to the lowest it's been in its history, uh, the lowest crime rate uh, of any community over 500,000 people. So uh, listen, I'm, the bottom line is they want their elected officials to listen to them. They don't want to hear about these academic debates at the fringes. They want to know that you're going to be focused on the issues that they and their families are concerned about. I've is, tried to do that throughout my entire career. If top issues include the border and crime, is there kind of a disconnect there? I know the district pretty well. I grew up in the Queens part of this district. I'm not sure if you knew that. I've had family and close friends all over the North Shore my whole life. This is, as you say, a low-crime, high-income district, or I'm adding high income, median income, $130,000, and not very Latino, just 8%, according to Data USA, and very uh, few of the recent asylum seekers. So why do you think these issues, crime and migration, are flipping the area red more than places actually in New York City where there is more crime and more immigration and more concentration of asylum seekers? It can look like a disconnect. Well, in Northeast Queens, there's a tent city in Creedmoor, and the people in Northeast Queens are really concerned about that. Uh, they're concerned about the, the impacts of uh, people living in the area, and they can't use their local parks, they, or they feel they can't use the local parks. And the Republicans have effectively weaponized the issue of crime uh, and immigration generally and created a sense of fear. There's, there's, there's The reality of the situation is, is that the people of my district, people of Long Island generally, are relatively moderate people. And there's a very strong Republican organization. Remember, when I became the county executive of Nassau County, I was the first Democrat with a Democratic legislature since 1917. We took the wind out of their sails for a good 15 years or so, but now they're back to being a strong Republican organization. And they're effective at weaponizing a lot of these national issues to create fear amongst the residents and the fear is you know of some of the extremes of of our party and i'm pointing out the extremes of the other party as well the republican party 
Uh, people don't want extremism. They want common sense. They want people who will work together to actually solve problems. That's what I've tried to do my entire career. My opponent, on the other hand, is doing Republican talk points, extremism. We don't even know any details about her. She's been very loath to be out in public. I'm sure she's not going to be on your show. You said you invited her on your show. She hasn't shown up for any debates. She hasn't shown up for any interviews, no town halls. Uh, and they're just using the Republican machine to try and bring out their vote and focus on the national Republican issues. And she's taking very extreme positions. Uh, I couldn't be further from that as far as being somebody who, who people yeah. know. They know my positions. I'm bipartisan. Uh, and I'm in favor of the bipartisan deal. I'm pro-choice. I've got an F rating from the NRA on guns. Uh, she won't even support a, a, a semiotic weapon ban. Let's let's talk about some of these positions, yours and hers, uh, and let's start with the border. The new bipartisan Senate bill has been released with various new border policies, plus aid to Israel, Ukraine, and Taiwan. You are for it. Your opponent has come out against the bill, saying it won't solve the problems at the border like the tougher House Republican bill would. Want to make your case for the Senate bill? Well, first of all, you're never going to pass the House Republican bill. It's an extreme right-wing bill that will never get the votes, certainly in the Senate. Even if Donald Trump was to win, even if the Republicans to win the, were to win the House, under no circumstances, even under the most rosy Republican circumstances, will they get 60 votes in the Senate. So there'll have to be a bipartisan compromise. The House bill is an extreme right-wing bill that destroys uh, the history of our country's relationship with asylum seekers and other issues, it will never be supported. Uh, so you have to compromise. And I wrote a bipartisan uh, compromise with Peter King back in 2019 the, in the New York Times. The New York Times called it the Grand Compromise. We didn't former former get, Republican congressman from Long Island, Peter King. Right, because I've always tried to work across party lines. You know that I was the vice chair of the Problem Solvers Caucus, 25 Democrats, 25 Republicans. We met every week to find common ground. I know the people that negotiated the bill in the Senate. The, the, the Republican is a relative, really conservative guy from Oklahoma. The Democrat's a, a good Democrat from, from Connecticut. And Kirsten Sinema is an independent from out in uh, Arizona. This is a well-thought-out deal that's been hammered out over four months that makes a lot of sense that will give the Republicans a lot of what they want. They, you know, they, want, they want a wall. They want uh, more security, more Border Patrol agents. That's great. But there'll also be more immigration judges. And you resolve asylum cases in weeks instead of 10 years. There's a 10-year backlog, which is absurd. 80% of the people who seek asylum get denied asylum. But, and 20% get granted. And that's the history for decades. But the problem is, is when these cases don't get adjudicated for 10 years, the system's chaotic. So this fix that, fixes that. And it's a it's a compromise. And that's what people want. They want us to solve the problems and stop the finger pointing. Um, the House Republican border bill known as H.R. 2, which you said is extreme and it'll never get through the Senate, would have a Trump style border wall, according to what I've read, 900 miles. And under that bill, asylum seekers would stay either in Mexico or in detention centers in the U.S., while their claims for asylum are assessed, and you just acknowledge that 80% of people who claim asylum are denied on the merits. Do you oppose those provisions? I'm, I'm not opposed to building a, uh, a physical structures, a wall, if it's part of a compromise, okay? If you need to get the Republicans on board 
to try and speed up this, these asylum cases, to get more immigration judges, to get more resources, to treat people like human beings. I'm happy to compromise to give them a wall if that's their big thing. Uh, as far as remain in Mexico, you know, I don't think that that necessarily makes sense because people are treated so poorly there. But I do want the cases adjudicated quickly. And I want them adjudicated in such a fashion that it's fair uh, to people, but it also lives up to the American principles. I mean, there are people that are seeking, legitimately seeking asylum. The reason there's a need for reform is that this underground organized crime entities that are making billions of dollars off of transporting people to our southern border and telling them how to evade the existing asylum laws doesn't make any sense. Uh, and so, the, the, the Senate bill um, allows the president to shut down the border only after there are 4,000 contacts, 4,000 migrants having contacts um, with officials per day for a week. The Republicans or, say, or 8,500 in one day. Yeah, either way, and, and, it sounds to Republicans like a really big number. It's still pretty open. Can I make this very clear? The Wall Street Journal says this is a good bill. Fox News is saying this is a good bill. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce says this is a good bill. My opponent, Mozzie Pillip, thinks she knows better than all of them because she's taking the talk points from former President Trump, who told uh, Mike Johnson, the Speaker of the House, don't do a bill. I don't want to give Biden a victory, and I want to be able to run on this issue. That is, as Mitt Romney said, appalling. That's what's wrong with politics in the United States of America these days, where it's all about theater and tweets and campaigns, and it's not about solving problems and making people's well, lives better. Because I have family in the district and I go there often, I've been collecting mailers that your campaign has been sending out in large numbers, uh, one a day to um, one of my relatives' homes there. Let me ask you about some of the ways that you're campaigning here. Here's one that says... Swazi is determined to work with anyone to increase police funding, strengthen border security, combat gun violence, work to end the migrant crisis. So in that flyer, you're running on all Republican talking points, increase police funding. You don't say plus police reforms to fight mass incarceration. You say strengthen border security and work to end the migrant crisis as two of the four. You don't say comprehensive immigration reform or help the asylum seekers, as many other Democrats also highlight. The only exception is combat gun violence. Both parties say that. But why focus your police and migrant language in that flyer so similarly to how Republicans do? Well, first of all, let me just say that Republicans do not focus on preventing uh, gun violence. Uh, in any way whatsoever. I have, have, diff they have different ways, right? Oh, no, they don't do it. I have an F rating from the NRA. My opponent is taking the Republican talking points from the NRA on a regular basis, and we couldn't be more different. I'm. Uh, I, Did I'm she a, get their endorsement? I don't actually know. So is that fair? Did I, she get an NRA I, endorsement? I don't know the answer to that either. Okay. I, I know that she's been supported by people like Tom Emmer and, and Mike Johnson, who certainly get the NRA endorsement. Um, this is the best campaign I've ever been involved in. I, it's an incredibly well-run campaign as far as we've raised the money, we're doing the, the TV and the mailings, uh, and we're getting the vote out. We have a great field operation. We have enormous amount of volunteers, uh, a great ground campaign. It's, it's a really remarkably 
well-run campaign. And the bottom line is, you said, you know, these are Republican talk points. You brought up crime, you brought up immigration, you brought up guns, you brought up something else. I forget what the other one was. But the bottom line is, these are not Republican talk points. Well, it wasn't crime. It was get more police funding. Right. So public safety. People are concerned about public safety. American people, Democrats and Republicans, are concerned about public safety. When you see cops getting beat up in New York City and then getting let out, uh, so and then they, they 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 leave the area, that pisses off Democrats and Republicans. It's outrageous. So these are not uh, uh, you're you're living in a bubble. If you think that only Republicans are concerned about crime, you're living in a bubble. If you think that only Republicans are concerned about immigration. You're living in a bubble if you think that only Republicans are concerned about taxes. These are people issues. These are American issues. This is why uh, other Democrats have lost these districts is because they're not focused on the issues that people are talking about with their families. I've always been a person who focuses on fairness and justice and democratic issues and trying to help people and serve the poor and clean up the environment and all the other typical democratic issues that we would want to highlight. I'm endorsed by every democratic organization you can think of, and they're all working to help me uh, in this race. But we have got to focus on what the people are talking about. They're talking about crime. They're talking about immigration. They're talking about taxes. And this is not new. I was on your show when I ran for governor in a Democratic primary. I talked about the same issues. I got killed in a Democratic primary, and, and that's okay. It was fair and square. But that's the issues I've always been focused on. That's why I think that I can win this race, despite the fact that the enormous uh, anti-Democratic feeling that there's been, because they know I'm a Democrat, that focuses on what the people care about. And that's what I'll always do. My opponent in this race is an extremist. She's a far right wing extremist. And maybe she's not even a right wing extremist because she wasn't once registered as a Republican. I mean, as, as a, a Democrat. Democrat, as a Democrat. But she's talking like a right wing extremist. She's, she had Tom Emmer and Mike Johnson come campaign for her and do fundraisers for her. She won't do anything in public. And she's she's come out publicly and said she's pro-life and she supports the Supreme Court Dobbs decision. And uh, she's endorsed by the conservative party. She doesn't want to make a compromise on the immigration deal. She doesn't support a, a, a semi-automatic weapons ban, banning AR-15s and the like. She doesn't come out in favor of supporting universal background checks. She, I, I don't know what she stands for, quite frankly, because she's never in public. One more question from a listener, and this one also comes from texts. The way it turned out this time, more of the uh, focused questions. We asked for well-focused questions, came in text messages than phone calls. So most of the questions we've taken for Tom Swazi have been from your texts. And here's one that, um, um, that picks up on a Mozzie Pillip ad against you that's been on television a lot. It says, Tom, do you deny saying that you kicked ICE out of Nassau County, or are you claiming that that was just an AI-generated video soundbite? Now, for people who haven't seen it, there's a political ad running that does show Tom Swazi uh, boasting, I kicked ICE, Immigration Customs Enforcement, out of Nassau County. Explain. Okay. Let me make this very, very clear. In 2007, 
nine years before my opponent was even registered to vote, or even voted in an election. Uh, I was the county executive of Nassau County who had reduced the crime rate to the lowest crime rate in the United States of America for any community over 500,000 people. ICE came to Nassau County. They refused to cooperate with our police department. They had 96 warrants. They broke, they did pre-dawn raids, knocking down people's doors, coming in with shotguns, wearing cowboy hats, scaring the hell out of people. Of those 96 warrants, 90 were for, were for the wrong addresses. They pulled their guns, not only on these families at the wrong addresses, but they pulled their guns on two Nassau County police officers. My police commissioner came to me and said, Mr. County Executive, we can't work with these guys. They're not coordinating with us. They're coming here in here like a bunch of cowboys. They're not properly trained. We're trying to do community policing here in Nassau County. That's why we've been successful in reducing the crime rate. We can't work with them. Please don't let them come here again. So I sent a letter to the Secretary of uh, Homeland Security at the time, Michael Chertoff, and said, you guys can't do this. You can't come in and work like this. Unless you follow the rules and work with our police department, we're not going to allow, we're going to kick you out of Nassau County, which we did. Uh, and they came back year, a couple years later. But we've worked with other agencies like the FBI and others. I've always been pro-law enforcement. But pro-law enforcement, as you were trying to point out earlier, also includes having police officers or law enforcement agencies follow the rules. And I've always stood up for following the rules and treating people properly in the process. You can be both pro-law enforcement and pro-justice and pro-community uh, policing. They're, they all go hand in hand. And there we leave it with Democrat Tom Swasey running in the special election to replace George Santos in Congress. Early voting continues today through Sunday with Election Day itself next Tuesday, February 13th. Tom Swasey, thank you very, very much. Hey, Brian, thanks for having me on the show. And you got me all hyped up because I, I, I never get to debate anybody anymore. So it's, <laughs> it's good that you, you let me on the show. I appreciate one it moderators, One moderator's tough questions is as close as you're going to get. Well, you are, there is going to be a debate. I should tell people if they want to see it uh, and if they have access to it Thursday night on News 12 um, on, on Long Island on cable. That's going to be the one Mozzie Pillip, Tom Swazi debate. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks so much. Bye. And again, we have invited Republican candidate Mozzie Pillip for this week for this show, and we'll see if she accepts. Brian Lehrer, a daily politics podcast, is an excerpt from my live daily radio show, The Brian Lehrer Show, on WNYC Radio, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time, if you want to listen live at WNYC.org. Thanks for listening today. Talk to you next time.